Hello, this is the Westminster Standard. I'm Ryan Beasy, and we're doing a crossover podcast with the Presbyterian and Reformed Churchmen. Uh, George Sayer, thanks for participating. Yes, Ryan, thank you. Yes, yeah, so for, for PNR Churchmen, Ryan and I were fighting over this guest, and uh, and I claimed <laughs> I claimed rights because of the ruling elder status. Uh, but of course, of course, that's you know, Ryan and the Westminster Standard podcast has ruling elders too. So uh, Ryan does a professional good job. I, I appreciate his work very much. And so he will run uh, this interview, but we'll both run it uh, on PNR Churchman and the Westminster Standard Podcast. And hence uh, his late logo and his banners, like, like we are official. PNR Churchman is not used to this, that's for sure. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, we're joined today by uh, Charles Hyam, a ruling elder at, uh, and clerk of session at uh, Westminster Presbyterian Church. Is it in Sumter, South Carolina? Sumter, South Carolina. <laughs> so first, uh, you know, and I know Ryan and I would both say this, thank you, first of all, for, for sharing your story. It's, it is vulnerable. It is uh, probably uncomfortable. And this got born out of a number of tweets that you had felt compelled to, to do mm-hmm. that I'm sure we're going to talk about where you reject side bay, uh, side bay, side <laughs> B gay Christianity now. And oh, there, there you go. Um, I've been wrestling with doing this for some time, but it seems the Lord won't let me sit on it. I used to support revoice and even attended the 2022 conference. First of all, this was brave because it would be very easy to just not say this publicly, you know, mm-hmm. not, 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 I mean, this is repentance, right? I mean, you, yeah. you could just change your view quietly and then support a new view, but you felt the need because of your own walk and struggle to, to communicate this. And I, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I, I think that's brave and I commend you and, and you are speaking about sensitive things from your, your childhood that uh, isn't easy to admit. Well, Charles, thanks for being on the show. Would you give us a little personal uh, biography, background, how long you've been ministering and and where? I know we were talking a little bit earlier about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm basically from Sumter at this point. I've lived here since I was six years old. Um, my parents divorced when I was very young. Um, and my mom, my older sister, and I moved in with my grandma and grandpa. My grandpa passed away, so that left me in a house of three women. Um, so I tell people all the time I was raised by three women, my, my mom, my grandma, and my older sister. So, um, and generally I, then that's when I say, well, so if you wonder what's wrong with me, that's, that's it right there. No, but, um, we moved to, we, we lived in New Mexico and then we moved from there to, uh, South Carolina here. And that's, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the early life school was always, kind of hard for me um not not hard like the academics but i just didn't get along well with others uh i was always a bit of a nerd one of the things that i love to tell people um i don't know that i've missed a chance yet i'm a huge godzilla fan um i own everything godzilla related that i can affordably get my hands on you know Uh, my son loves godzilla your son is awesome so (laughs) i know I know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, you know, it's like I just I had the more nerdy hobbies and um, that just wasn't cool on the schoolyard. Um, I was kind of bullied a lot. Uh, we didn't grow up in church. We weren't a we were, we were a Christmas Eve family. We weren't even Easter Sunday. Like just we would we would occasionally go on Christmas Eve uh, with my grandma's sister and her family. Um, but uh, across the street from us. 
a pastor and his family uh, moved in, and he was an Assemblies of God pastor. Um, he invited me to Wednesday night uh, activities at their church. Um, it was a program called Royal Rangers. I don't know how familiar you are with the Assemblies of God, but I joke with people that it's the Pentecostal Boy Scouts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so I liked, you know, I like going, I like being around the people there. Um, so I just kind of went on into youth group and all that stuff. Uh, middle school, my life got really complicated because one, it was middle school. Um, you know, but like, it seemed like the bullying got a lot worse. It seemed like just everything, I couldn't do anything right. I could just, you know, I just felt like a complete failure at everything. Um, and during this time, there were kind of two things that happened. And, uh, one was I was, I began being sexually abused by an older cousin. Um, and I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know, you know, what what to, what to do with that. Um, and then in my eighth grade year, I actually started experiencing same sex attraction. Um, or, you know, uh, as I most recently described it in a, in a recent testimony I gave, you know, I started, I started experiencing homosexual lust towards one of my classmates. Uh, it was a very specific thing. Uh, and then it just kind of grew from there. Um, we went from, or yeah, I, I just, I, I just had this uncontrollable thing. I couldn't deal with it. I thought I was like, is this a phase? Am I going to grow out of this? Um, but I also, after my eighth grade year, in between eighth and ninth grade, I went to a church camp. Um, and, and I went to this church camp thinking to myself that I don't want anything to do with the whole God thing. Um, I was... I don't know what I would have considered myself then. Uh, I was a theist at a very basic level, um, but I don't know beyond that. Like I wouldn't have called myself a Christian or anything, but um, you know, but I just like, I don't want, you know, I want the whole God thing. I don't care about the whole Jesus thing. I just want to go have a good time. Well, um, as I like to say, God had other plans. And that was when uh, I would say I first really heard the gospel and not, you know, not that I hadn't heard it before, but obviously, you know, I hadn't believed on it. I hadn't heard it with, with faith. And mm. it was there at that church camp, I became a Christian. Um, and then after church camp, I'm like, well, I'm a Christian now. I'm, I'm not going to lust anymore. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to have these feelings or experiences anymore. I'm not, you know. Charles, me, what, what gonna... year was that? What year was? 1996. In... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I was like. You know, I'm, you know, I'm just not going to do that anymore. And uh, as I tell people, old habits die hard and so does sin. And I found myself, you know, going back to those fantasies and, and all of that stuff. Later found internet pornography. This was on dial-up internet. Um, and I had no idea it even existed. Um, I knew that there was pornography, but I didn't know that there was gay porn out there. And I don't, still don't remember exactly how I found it, but... Once I did, it was like, you know, it was a new thing and um, became very addictive to me. Um, graduated high school. I went to Bible college afterwards. Um, went to Columbia International University. Uh, got my bachelor's in intercultural studies, a minor in teaching English as a foreign language. Um, started to actually talk about it there. I didn't feel like I could talk about 
struggling with same sex attraction when I was, you know, in, in high school, when I was in church, I just had this idea that these people are perfect and they won't understand this. In fact, they would probably hate me if they found out that I was dealing with this. Um, and so they, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't talk to anybody, but finally in college, I'm like, I need to talk to people. You know, I need to let somebody in on this and, and started actually talking about like, Hey, these are what I'm struggling with. Um, and, and I found there, you know, people didn't like instantly reject me because, Oh, well, you know, you're, you're that guy. You're you're dirty. You know they didn't treat me as unclean. They didn't treat me as uh, second rate. They actually, um, you know, were encouraging. They they wanted to be able to help, provided some accountability. Still, was that, w- would you say that was the students or the teachers or both? Yes, both. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, more so the students, but there were a few professors and and other uh, leaders at the university that I was able to open up to and. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a good time. I, I, I started, you know, digging into the scriptures a lot more, obviously you kind of have to in Bible college. Um, and you know, also, um, like I, I had discovered at this point, um, Exodus International, uh, Exodus International, I forget when they were founded, but they were kind of the largest quote unquote ex gay ministry. Uh, probably in the world for a long time. Um, and so I, I had heard about them and I had kind of, I was, you know, I was, I was basically still trying to figure out how to fix this. Um, I, I tell people, you know, what I was looking for in my own journey struggling with sexual sin was I was looking for the key that was going to unlock everything and then I would be normal. Mm. Um and I tell people now, you know, normal is just a setting on the dryer. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, so that, that's, that was kind of my own journey um, in, in trying to deal with this. Uh, so after, after college, you know, I'm still, still kind of struggling, still giving in to the, the addictive cycle, as they call it, with pornography and, and all of that. And, um, yeah, so I... I went from there or went from, from college after a couple of years working at a year round camp, I went to Turkey, uh, to teach English as an, as a second language to an international students at a school in Turkey. Um, it's a, it's a, it was a secular school that just happened to be staffed entirely by Christians. Um, and so our, our goal was to incorporate gospel lessons into, uh, the regular curriculum, um, and and I'd say most of the teachers were were pretty good at that. Um, mm. But I went there, and even as I interviewed there, you know, they ask if there's anything they should know about, and I I knew that I should have said something about my struggle, but I decided to say no. There's nothing else. Um, I I essentially lied to them uh, because I knew that this could be disqualifying, and I didn't want to be disqualified, and so. You know, it was, it was dishonest on my part, um, and and that would later, after I left Turkey. What did uh, they ask? What what question did they ask? They ask if you did porn, or did they, I mean, no, what they, asked, they, they asked about. Let's see. I, well, I think it was like there were questions about you know my my life with the Lord and and all that kind of stuff. So there's some some general questions, but there's like 
um, there was a question about your relationships with the opposite sex. And I said, well, they're fine. Like, there's nothing to worry about there. Um, they didn't ask about the same sex specifically, but then they asked, you know, is there, is there anything else that you think we need to know about, about you? And, and again, even in that moment, I just, I felt a little bit of conviction that I should tell them, but I decided to keep my mouth closed. Hmm. Um, and that was, a you know, a bad decision. I didn't realize how bad of a decision it was, uh, until looking back, I was, you know, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, we were in kind of a hostile environment in Turkey. They weren't necessarily too fond of our school. Um, it was actually birthed out of a school that the government had shut down. The Turkish government had shut down. Um, so this, you know, like if something like this, if something like this had been found out, uh, it could have given the school cause to shut us down or the, the government shut the school down. So I realized like that was, that was really stupid. Um, uh, and I say that a lot. I'm I'm a I'm a dumb guy. I don't I don't learn very quickly. But um, <laughs> I uh, I also got engaged to a girl while I was over there, um, and uh, she was an Iraqi refugee. Uh, it's the they were she was a Christian. She was uh, she was you know well well known in, in the international community and in the in the Christian community there, um, and we got along well and you know it kind of was like well i don't i don't know but a lot of people seem to think we should get together so let's just give it a try and um eventually i did tell her about my struggles but you know and but i still kept a lot of my like fear inside and, like i don't think we can make this work um and so uh got we got engaged and, and i mean again looking back i realized like you know i was i was doing a lot of this just to keep the appearance of normal um and and so that was you know like i i did genuinely care about her i wouldn't say that we had any romantic or or sexual attraction between us and and so like the whole time i'm like you know, maybe, maybe just, you know, if we get married, it'll be fine and whatever. Um, anyway, uh, long story short, I came back to the States after my contract ended. And after, um, after about a year back in the States, I, uh, basically, uh, the principal's wife had read an email that I'd sent to my fiance complaining about a lot of stuff. Our relationship got really tense once we were apart. Um, but I sent an email complaining to her about everything and how bad I was struggling and how she wasn't being supportive. Um, and, and I didn't realize that that email had gotten read by someone else. Well, it was the, the principal's wife. This is the principal that hired me. They consider this girl like a daughter. Um, and so they, were very sharp in their rebuke. Um, they said, you need to get help and you need to break off this engagement, you know? And so I was like, you know what? You're right. I, I need to break off the engagement. So I broke off the engagement, but was still convinced I could, well, I can get over this myself. So, so you um, did the one, but not the other. You broke off the engagement, but didn't. Seek I, I did not immediately seek help. Um, again, I'm slow. <laughs> uh, but you spent so, a lot of time in the library. I understand. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually had a part time. I had a part at the time. I I'd gotten a part time job at the library. Um, I just come out of one job and was kind of like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do next. The library is hiring. Let me just apply for that and and go there. Um, well, about a year, about a year after all of that happened, uh, at that same time, I, I started going to Westminster Presbyterian Church. Um, so I had embraced Reformed theology pretty much at that point and was looking for a new church because the home church, I just didn't really fit there. Um, and so I was just kind of like, I love these people, but there were just, you know, concerns over doctrine and, and some of the practice. And so I was kind of like, I, I really want to be around other Reformed people. Um, and so uh, I visited a couple of other churches. I, I would have probably called myself Reformed Baptist at that point. Um, but anyway, ended up visited a couple of the Baptist churches. And I was like, kind of like, I don't. I don't know. And then I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, I visited a PCA church down on Hilton Head when I was working and living down there. Yeah, I was there for a year uh, on Hilton Head. And so I visited a church down there for a while. I really liked it. And I was like, let me see what denomination that was. Because I want to make sure I get in the right, you know, the the right Presbyterian denomination. I, I, I don't think the word PCA was in my vocabulary. It was just Presbyterian. But I want to make sure I got with the right ones. Um, and so that's how I found what I found. They were PCA, Westminster's PCA. Okay, I'm going to go to Westminster. Um, and right from the start, it was like fantastic. I really enjoyed the the people. I mean, like, you know, within my first day, my, my first service visiting, where I was talking to some people afterwards and had like several deeper theological discussions with people. It's like, this hasn't happened in like ever. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I got in PCA, but anyway, um, so I ended up joining Westminster. Um, so about a year after the engagement ended and, and I kind of moved into, moved back to Sumter. I was, uh, what year with my grandma at the time, what year are we talking? Uh, this is 2009, 2009, 2010. Okay. So 2009, yeah. I moved back to Sumter 2010. Uh, I got caught looking at pornography at work. Um, and should have lost my job. Uh, I was suspended. I, you know, was again, very sharply rebuked. And that's when I finally realized I can't do this. Um, I can't beat this and, and I'm going to need help. I started going to some counseling. Uh, our, our town has a local celebrate recovery chapter. And so I kind of became a part of that. Um, and, you know, just, started again being being more honest about my struggles um and and working harder to like okay you know what's what do i actually need to work on here um so i feel charles, like this isn't very brief this is like 15 minutes yeah so charles my my question before you move into the next phase is yeah at this time where you know you were maybe to use some languages is, is like in the closet trying to keep keep it in the closet. What was your, what was your understanding and relationship to, to the desire? Like, did you, you know, because a lot of these discussions now center around this theological word called concupiscence mm -hmm. and, you know, in the reformed world, we have a different understanding of that than, than say people in the Catholic world or even broadly evangelical world. Mm -hmm. uh, so what, what did like, was it for you just a shame thing or was it 
about the fact that you you recognized there was a stigma to it, so you didn't want it to come out? Or did you recognize at that point, particularly before you were in a PCA church, that it was like that the desire itself was objectively wrong? Um, like, where was your relationship to the to to it at that point? Yeah, uh, I I think I had just always seen it as like this is a you know this is a temptation uh not a sin kind of thing unless you act on it when i cooperated with it it became a sin which that's um, a catholic view probably yeah that's that's much more of a yeah i realize now that's the the catholic view um but i was yeah i was definitely much much more like well this is just a temptation that i have to overcome so Um, there was there was also a shame and and the social stigma you know don't ask don't tell was the mm-hmm. was the policy of the day there were discussions about gay rights and gay marriage and stuff like that but there wasn't like prominently front and central in the culture at the at the time there was still a lot of room for disagreement and and all of that kind of stuff but it was yeah it was a so yeah some some shame and some just like well this is just a temptation and i just need to be able to beat it and mm-hmm. and you know I should be able to do that. Would you say the moral dilemma for you was more the fact that, it, again, in the Christian world community you were in, there was stigma. So that was more the pressure you felt, or did you feel an internal pressure that it was it was wrong? I, I probably wouldn't articulate it quite that way. Mm-hmm. I knew it was, I knew it was not right. Um, not, not normal is again, I keep going back to that word normal, but I knew that it, you know, this, this isn't, you know, this, this isn't something that I should ever be proud of. Um, and, you know, but it's, you know, I, I guess probably my, my view followed more of the, the Exodus uh, international approach where it's, you know, it's, it's caused by all of these events that I went through, you know, not having my father in the home, not feeling a close connection with him. Um, not you know not bonding well with my peers um and that that's kind of the the model (laughs) of of development that most of what what are called the ex-gay ministries kind of use yeah so brother let me just tell you like growing up i had all kinds of things i was ashamed of and i didn't need the i didn't need it to be you know this the stigma to do it i i just knew you know there's we're fallen, you know, even as a, you know, I was Catholic actually. And I, but I still understood like, why am I, whether it was hate or lust or whatever, why am I feeling these things? You know? So again, I just don't, I I don't want you to feel like like this one thing is, is right. uh, You know? So. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, most of my focus was on the one thing and, you know, like, you know, like, well, it, it seemed like at least my biggest, sin struggle and so it's like you know if i can just take care of this one thing mm. then i'll be sanctified <laughs> like it was kind of a uh, you know yeah. i mean that was the thing there was there was a, a pursuit of of perfection in me mm. that was unhealthy and, and even again i growing up i I'll, I'll put it this way i was never told that every time i sinned i was going to hell as a christian but I don't think I was ever told that that wasn't true either. Um, and so it's, it was kind of, it was, I mean, especially again with, with, uh, with the shame that I felt over, over the same sex um, 
lust was, you know, it was very much like, uh, well, it, I, I fell, I fell again. So now I've lost mm. my salvation and now mm. I've got to, you know, make it up to God somehow. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was a, like I said, it was a, it was a terrible cycle and yeah, it's why reform theology is so comforting. It's like, mm. you know, not that we can just do whatever we want, but like, you know, it's, it's not, oh, God loves me, God loves me not, God loves me, God loves me not, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, it's you referenced you, you've married and you have a family now. Yes. Um, so, you know, as you're struggling with this, and, then, and you went to the Revoice uh, conference in 2022, so yeah. still th- this struggle has been a lifelong uh, struggle, and yet, you know, striving for holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about that. Yeah. So yeah, so my my wife and I actually met at the library. She started working there. Um, we spent weekends in the same department. Struck up a really good friendship. Um, we were friends for about four and a half years, and uh, you know everyone was like, you know, I'm when you're all going to start dating, and like even our youth group, uh, we were working with the church youth group at the time, and um, they they were calling us Chim. Her name is Kim. Uh, and so they were calling us Chim. That was their little like. They, and so they were wanting us together. Everybody was wanting us together. I, you know, I, I think really she was wanting us together, but was understanding that. Well, you know, I've got the struggle, and I just don't know if I can make it work. And um, and it's it's ironic. It was actually an article on spiritual friendship, which is Wesley Hill's website. A guy t- talking about mixed orientation marriage. I, again, I put that in quotes now. Um, but you know, it was like, I was like, okay, I'm like, I don't really agree with the terminology thing. I'm like, but the, the friendship he describes with this girl sounds a lot like me and Kim. Like maybe we could, could we possibly get together? And so like I sent her the article and I'd sent her blogs all the time. So, you know, it wasn't abnormal for me to send her stuff, but, uh, I sent her that and she was like awkward. She's like, you know, like this kind of sounds like us. Like, I don't want to like, you know, make it weird or anything. And I'm like, I was kind of thinking the same thing. So what do you think we should do? Um, so we, we talked and we prayed, we went to friends and, um, our, we went to our pastor, uh, sought counsel and all that. And basically we were like, well, we, we think that this is, we'll, we'll give it, a, we'll give it a go and see what happens. Um, and so we started dating two and a half months later, we got engaged. Um, and then 300 days exactly after that, we only know cause we did a countdown. Um, <laughs> well, it was when we got married. Um, so it's like, once we started dating, it was very much like, you know, okay, this is, this is going to work. And, um, and, you know, and again, it was nice when, you know, she knew about the struggles and I tried to be open about any fears that came up, but at the same time, I was trusting the Lord to, to work out the details. And, um, you know, yeah, we're, that was in 2016. We got married. Our daughter was born one year and one week later. Mm. Uh, her name's Graceland. We named her Graceland because it means basically waterfall of grace or river of grace. And it's like, we like that. So, um, mm. and then a year and a half later, my son was born and we, I had already decided that my firstborn son was going to be a junior. So, um, and we were going to call him CJ. Uh, and let me tell you, we could not have picked a better name for that kid. He is a miniature version of me in almost every way. He's five years old now. Um, 
huge Godzilla fan just like me. And I'm like, yes, I have someone to pass the legacy on to. <laughs> we got to uh, get our sons together. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I was, that was around the time when the revoice debate was obviously yeah. uh, starting to very, happen. And, yeah, very intense. And I, I mostly just stayed out of it. I was still kind of tied in with some of the ex gay ministries and, they weren't too fond of revoice and and all that stuff. And, and really what I thought the issue boiled down to is kind of like what some people are, will, are still saying that, you know, maybe this is a semantics thing. It's just, they're just using the label, but you know, not in any, like maybe not necessarily in a way that's negative or, or anything like that. Um, and so it's kind of like, yeah, I just, that's probably not the way that I'm going to go. Um, you know, I'm just going to stick with the people that I'm with and and keep learning and growing here. Well, uh, a good friend of mine that I'd met actually through one of the ex-gay ministries had read Greg's book after it came out. And Greg Johnson's book, Still Time to Care. And so he was like, you got to read this book, man. It's so good. It's so good. And this is somebody, I mean, he's he was in he's the PCA. PCA. Um, yeah, he was a, that's how we became friends. We, we met at, a, at an ex-gay conference and we were both PCA guys. And so it's like, great, we're both reformed. This is fantastic. So we went around picking on the Pentecostals the rest of the week. But, um, <laughs> oh. Half joking there, half. <laughs> but anyway, we, uh, you know, we, we had a, we had a good friendship and stuff. And then, so he was like, yeah, you got to read Greg, Greg's book. And I was like, ah, I'm like, Greg's associated with Revoice. And I didn't realize that it was, you know, that Greg was the pastor of Memorial you know, and and that memorial was at the heart of the con or the the heart of the first conference and and focus of the, you know, what kind of brought this debate into our circles. Um, are you an are were you a ruling elder at this point? No, um, I was. I didn't become a ruling elder until twenty, well, twenty twenty one. So yeah, around around that time. Um, so it was shortly after, I guess, probably shortly around the time when yeah, I, I read Greg's book. Uh, again, at my friend's ongoing insistence. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, I think he says some good things, but I just, I still don't know. I mean, you know, revoice is kind of just a thing and everyone seems to say no. And so it's like, I wasn't going to go there. Um, and, and then my friend was like, well, you know, why don't we, why don't, why don't we go to the conference? I'll pay for you to go to the conference. And I was just like, free okay, trip to St. And, Louis. Hmm? Free trip to St. Louis or wherever it was that year. Uh, it was at Dallas that year. Dallas, um, okay. But yeah, so I was like, I was like, well, I'm like, okay, well, I'll I'll think about it. I still wasn't really like on board. Um, yeah. And and I'm ashamed to say this. The what kind of finally made everything fall into place and and for me to start actually being in favor of Revoice was really it was my own lust. Um, mm. And it wasn't. I wasn't looking at anything pornographic or anything but it was like i was on instagram and mm. scrolled across a reel and it had like two guys sharing a kiss and it's like you know like i, I don't support this but you know i i would at the time i would have said i found something beautiful in it which you know i mean it's just yeah it's it's sin it, it was my own sin deceiving me yeah, and that's, that's well, no, I mean, yeah, point. this isn't right, but it's obvious that these two guys love each other and that mm. love is real. And that's that's one of the big things in Revoice. You know, the love is real, but the the sex is bad kind of thing. Mm. And and so, 
so that, that was just like when I said it, I was sitting there thinking about it, and I was just like, I'm gay. And and that was the first time I ever said those words, even out loud. It was just to myself at that moment. But I was just like, oh, well, that explains everything. Um, you know, and and so I went to my friend and, and I I came out to him. I said, hey, dude, I, I I'm gay. And he's like, great, man. And so I was like, yeah, he had, you know, started using the gay label himself at that point. And so, you know, when I said that to him, then it's like, yeah. And then there was another good friend of mine. I said, yeah, like, you know, I had, um, I don't think I'd recommended him Greg's book at that point, or maybe I had, I can't remember. But anyway, uh, I had another friend and I, you know, had a little coming out with him. I came out to my wife, told her, yeah, I'm, I'm gay. And, you know, not that I'm going to leave or anything like that. I don't have any plans of leaving. I want to be in this marriage, but it's just, this is just making sense of my life so far. Um, and so, so, so before that, because this is a distinction I've I've attempted to make in in articles I've written and and stuff. But like before that, you you would have viewed it as desire, mm -hmm. Des descriptive of desire, and and revoice made you view it as defining of personhood. I, I think so. I I think I still tried to nuance it. Like, you know, I'm not saying this is who I am, but this is just, you know, this, this fits my struggle. This fits just, you know, and so even, even in saying those terms, I, I don't think I really fully embraced what revoice means by those terms. Hmm. Um, but what it, but I think, you know, you highlighted an, an important aspect and, and a reality that our experience often shapes what we believe is right. true. And it, so it wasn't that you, you know, the scripture had convinced you that I can have this conception of myself, even if right. I don't act on it. It was, this feels good, so it must right. be, it must be right. And and, that, and that's essentially it. It was like, you know, well, this this feels right, so this feels like the right way to go. So this is, you know, again, not that I was gonna embrace, you know, homosexual activity or marriage or anything like that, but. You know, yeah, that was that was kind of at the heart. It was, it was my my own experience was saying, "Well, this must be right." Because how can this be wrong? Yeah. So, what were some of the takeaways from the the twenty? You said you went to the twenty twenty two conference. What were some of the takeaways? Did that help you settle into that position for a season? Uh, not really. Um, when going there, I was I was kind of uncomfortable the whole time. Um. Even like, and, and it was funny because I was so excited. My wife thought I was too excited about it. Um, she was like, she's like, I, she's like, I just, I don't, I'm not really coming to, like I kept talking about, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Revoice. Can't wait to go to Revoice. Can't wait to go, can't wait to go hang out with my friend. And, you know, because we ended up, he lives in Tennessee. So we ended up meeting up in Atlanta and flying, flying together out there and stayed together at a hotel and stuff like that. And so, you know, it was like, and, and, there was a part of me that was like, you know, I am excited because it's a little bit of a break from the normal routine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but yeah, I, I, I was there at the conference and I, you know, so I was excited. I mean, like I had my little notebook. I bought a notebook just for this conference so I could take copious notes. I'm also a terrible note taker. So you can guess that how my copious notes turned out. They're very sporadic and, and whatever, but Going into the conference, I knew that they had one speaker that 
use the they them pronouns. Um, and I was kind of like, that seems a little like counterproductive, but you know, whatever I'll, you know, I, I can have my disagreements with them. And that's what I, I saw that that may be just a, a little quibble. Cause you know, yeah. I, so I was like, well, I'm like, I, I'm just gonna, you know, keep going through with this and, and listen to the speakers. And there's some stuff that's like, yeah, that's pretty good. And then there was some stuff that was like, I don't, I don't know why I don't like this. Like I, that, this doesn't quite seem right. And I couldn't articulate it at that moment. Um, but like, but it didn't pass the smell test. Yeah. There, yeah, there was the, there was a smell, a, a spiritual smell test that was like something's, something's off. And I, and I just, I couldn't quite figure it all out. And, you know, like even when like the person I was most excited to see was Greg Johnson, because I'd read his book. I actually had him autograph my book while while I was there, because um, my my wife actually kind of insists on getting books signed every chance you can. So, and I was like, yeah, I was like, well, I'm like, plus I really like this book. I mean, I've recommended this book to lots of people now at this point. So, um, so yeah, so I, I his talk was the one that I was probably the most excited about, and like when he was done, I was just kind of like, okay, that was something. Like he he spoke from the text about, you know, where Jesus says, you know, these are, these who do my will are my mother and and brothers and sisters. Um, and rather than it be about, you know, cause what Jesus seems to be getting at there, if I'm understanding the text correctly is, you know, he's saying, you know, basically those who do my father's will are, are my family and by extension, our family, you know, others, who are pursuing Christ together are our spirit are our spiritual family. But the way Greg seemed to go with that text was more about the, you know, the idea of chosen family. Um, and it, it was the basically like, well, you know, we, we don't have to accept less things. We can go create our own families, so to speak. And I was just kind of like, like one of the things he said in that talk was um, he said, being married doesn't make you happy. It makes you married. And I'm like, okay, that's in a sense a true statement, but that doesn't, that, that negates the fact that I do enjoy being married. And like that, again, that didn't, that didn't fit the experience, you know? So it's like, there is joy and happiness that have come from my marriage that I don't think I would have had if I were not married. Marriage is a blessing, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind almost of a t- like God created it for our good and our enjoyment. Yeah, it's kind, of, <laughs> it's kind of a banal statement to say, well, marriage just makes you married. Well, of course yeah, it does. And, well, and that, was, that was the thing. It's like, you know, I, I, I get on the one hand, you know, I mean, he's the the point he may have been trying to make was that, you know, marriage isn't going to solve all of your problems. And, well, and that's yeah, true. absolutely. I can get on board with that, but it was just, like I said, it was that it was that overall tone. Um, and I think I even wrote it in my little review that they give us to fill out at the end of the conference. I was like, you know, I, I felt marginalized as a married person in, in this environment, you know, and I mean, I know the revoice founder, Nate Collins is married and, um, and they had their little, they had the little affinity groups during breakouts and they had a 
one for mixed orientation marriages. And and I went to that, but it's just like, overall, I felt like this doesn't really seem to be honoring marriage as God designed it. Um, And so I was like, yeah, I left the conference and I was like, yeah, I'm like, it was, it was good, but I just, I don't know. Like, I think I, when I got back and told my wife, I'm like, I don't know that I would go to another one at this point. Like I'm at the time I would have said, I'm still, I'm okay with it, but I just, maybe that's not going to be for me kind of thing. Um, and so then of course, after the conference, all of the, you know, opinion pieces on both sides start coming out. Um, and one that really stuck with me was Carl Truman's piece uh, in World. Uh, it was called the article was called uh, "Into the Anthropological Chaos," and his point was talking about how the gender confusion, the the lady using the they them pronouns, uh, introduces the gender confusion, and that's you know showing that Revoice is going further off the rails, uh, right. but. That wasn't what stood out to me in the article. Um, what stood on to what what stood out to me? One of the things he says in that article, uh, um, I've got it pulled up here. It says it's hard to find one high-profile critic of the movement who was taken with real seriousness by Revoice advocates. Hmm. Um, and that was like. I, I like I, I couldn't respond to that. I was just kind of like I was left dumbfounded, and I was like, "Yeah." And you know, because I mean, one of the things that I've seen over and over and over again is when someone criticizes something Revoice, Revoice proponents are well, they're a heretic, they're a hypocrite, they're um, you know, they're passing judgment. They like they basically, you know, engage they, in the they won't attack. Yeah, you know, like you, well, you're just a terrible person if you don't agree with us. Um. And, and so it was like, I was like, you know, that's, that's true. It's like Revoice doesn't seem to be able to actually argue their point face-to-face. You know, I mean, I know I would call Greg Johnson's book probably like the apologetic defense of Revoice. Um, if, if I were to, if, you know, yeah. if I were to put it that way. But, but like, it seems like, you know, there, there's not... There's not the ability to say, oh, well, you know, here's what we mean when we use these labels. Here's like, it didn't seem like any of that was going on. And and maybe uh, in the earlier days it was, but I, you know, again, I was getting more into the debates now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It seems like it's the same approach you know, the the folks from Moscow and the Federal Vision take. Well, you don't understand, or you're not serious, or you're not really reformed. We're 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 the only ones that have this this accurate truth. It's it's Gnostic yeah. and and postmodernist at the same time. Yeah, um, and I, I know George, you've written on some of those those issues. So, w- what is it if you could summarize in in a, in a sentence or two? What is it that is so dangerous uh, about Revoice uh, that you that you found in your own experience? Um, and that, of course, verified by the scripture. Yeah. Um, my mind keeps going to James 4. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Hmm. And it it seems like Revoice is the, the most dangerous thing about Revoice is that they're seeking the world's approval or, or, or at least the world's acceptance in, in some way. And, you know, I mean, Greg Johnson in his book says... Um, like he uses as an example of, of, 
of his approach, uh, a conversation that he had with someone who was uh, transgendered at one of the some art show that his church uh, their, that their chapel hosted. Um, and you know, basically the 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 proof that Greg used that that this is the approach was that this transgender person said, well, you guys are the nicest Christians we've ever met. And it's like, is nice the goal of the gospel? Right. Like there wasn't, you know, I, you know, maybe, maybe it would have been more effective if he told the story of someone who actually came to their church and, you know, start like became, became a believer or something like that. No, like, that's, yeah. that's the picture was, oh, they called us nice. Hmm. They think we're nice. This is definitely the way to go because somebody on the opposite side called us nice. And and so that's that's why I just like, and that was, again, when I was caught up in it, I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, but now I'm looking at it and I'm like, but what about repentance? Where is repentance? And and that's, that's where, you know, and, and I know it comes down again, concupiscence and and that idea that sinful desires are in and of themselves sin to be repented of and you know so but it's like yeah so i was just i was that was one of those things again looking back now i'm like yeah we're, that's that's wanting to be friends with the world um you know we're going to adopt the world's language we're going to adopt the world's categories and we're just going to sprinkle a little christianity on them hmm. Um, but really, it sounds a lot more like the world uh, than it than it does Christ. Well, let I, me. I, oh, go ahead. I, I, no, you got it, Ryan. I see. Well, your I, I just want to push back a little bit. You know uh, that some people have said. You know, here's a, a quote between the Presbycast podcast and a former Presbycast guest, Derek Radney, who says, in large part, the problem has been perception, particularly in how the PCA TE's memorial are connected to it all. Uh, that has been said at Revoice. Uh, so you're saying this isn't just a perception problem, if I understand you correctly. This is a, a worldliness problem. I, I think so. And and again, and I think Rosaria Butterfield's new book really addresses this well mm. when she talks about, you know, we're, we're not talking about terminology. We're talking about ontology. Yes. Um, and we're, we're talking about anthropology, um, Another uh, another author I've read, uh, Jared Moore, who's a Southern Baptist pastor, wrote a book called The Lust of the Flesh. Um, and it's all on this idea of concupiscence. But you know, one of the things that he said is like, you know, we are doing theology from anthropology. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah. that's, he says that's what, that's what Revoice and, and those kind of movements are doing. They're saying... You know, all these desires, I experienced them, so they must not be bad in and of themselves, only if I act on them. But, you know, so what what does acting on them mean? Well, if it's only the physical act of sex, well, the the floor is still wide open. Um, And that was was another thing. About a month, within a month of of the Revoice conference happening, or a couple months of the Revoice 22 happening, um... Greg shared a an interview that he did with some place in Europe. I can't remember where. Um, but he had one of the questions he was asked, you know, if if a gay couple comes to your church and believes in Jesus, what 
does discipleship look like? And he point blank said, I will not break them up. Mm. Ju- I just want them to desexualize the relationship. Yeah, um, and he he was very he was he was being more and more open because they were leaving or had left. Right. They they had point. announced at that point <laughs> that the <laughs> date of that was October the twenty seventh. Yeah. Um, but I think I don't think it was aired until later. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, like it. So my critique of the whole thing was it, it's like Gnostic. It's very Gnostic. It's very like the flesh is we have to just suppress the flesh and uh, not do certain things. You know. Right. And that's behavior management. That's not mortification of sin. Like getting at the root of something. And I I often said, it seems to me as very hopeless. Like Mm -hmm. if that's what I had to offer. And and at the time I was working uh, with a young man uh, through this. If I had to offer him, uh, yes, this is what and who you are. Just don't do this. That seems to me to be soul crushing. If, mm-hmm. if that's who you are, what you are, and you just have to uh, just not act on it, as right. opposed to telling somebody, yeah, that's a real desire that you are experiencing. That that that's real. I'm not going to deny that in you, but that's mm-hmm. not who you are. That's not what you are, and and you're made for more. And there can be uh, victory in this. Yeah. Not that again. Not that it. I mean. I do think it goes completely away in, in some people, and but the ones I've many that I've talked to, I understand it's a part of their experience. Maybe the way you know, uh, lustful thoughts that pop into somebody's head can be a continued part of experience. The 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 idea is it becomes less and less uh, as you are rooted in, in seeking Christ. Uh, anything in what I just said that you would disagree with or or add to or? No, I I think that's good, and and that's. I remember reading that kind of thought process, you know, the hopelessness of saying, well, this is who you are, but you can't do it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I wrote an article, I, with that. Hmm? I wrote an article that the joy robbing false hope of mm. side B or something. Yeah, I don't think I've read that one. I saw that you okay. linked it in your recent post, but yeah. well, um, one of the things here today, so I, I'll, I'll make sure and read that for sure. But yeah, that, that was, <laughs> well, you don't have to, I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I was promoting that it's joy robbing because, right. and, and, and really like, okay, so I don't, that, that has not been my struggle, but I have had inner drives toward a number of things in life and it, it it's joy robbing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and then again, looking back, I can see really, there was, there was a lot more of a toll that going in that direction was taking on me spiritually. Mm. Um, my Bible reading went severely down. Mm. Um, and, you know, my, my time in prayer and and even, like, my, my focus became, you know, even about talking about my own struggles, well, I need to make sure and do this in a way that's not going to sound bad to revoice. Like, you know, again, Greg's... Greg's book really comes against the what he calls the ex-gay script, um, and so it's like you know, and I, I literally I rewrote my testimony mm. that I had shared publicly multiple times, and I rewrote it to try to, you know, I didn't use the terminology, um, you know, because still in my thinking, it's like that saying I'm gay publicly communicates something I don't want to communicate. Um, and, and 
you know, again, that comes back, that comes back to one of the issues that's led me out of that camp now, um, just the politics even behind the terminology. But anyway, but I, I rewrote my testimony. I was trying to like, okay, like, I don't want this to sound XK. Like, yeah, I got married and had kids, but you know, I still, you know, I had to emphasize, I still struggle. I've been still, you know, you know, and, you know, I mean, again, I want to be honest, like, yes, I, I am still tempted in this area and I am, you know, I find it despicable. And, and, you know, again, coming back to that idea of concupiscence, you know, I, what I've, what I've started doing is like in those moments when I find a tempting thought floating through my mind is, you know, I, I take it to the Lord and I say, Lord, I am sorry that I am the kind of person that wants this. Hmm. Um, you know, and so it's like the, the fact that this is even appealing to me shows that there is corruption in me. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, you know, but, but Revoice would have said, well, no, just the sex side is bad, but all of the other feelings and, and all of that kind of stuff, can you know, be those redeemed. would be good. And, and you can... It's it's almost like you can have your your sin in Jesus too, yeah. like you know you can you can be in this celibate partnership that they call it, and and even they'll say it's gay marriage without the sex, mm. you know, and it's like as if know, marriage can, is just sex, as it, it right. As it, I mean, <laughs> and, and that's that's one thing in that in that clip from Greg Johnson, you know, he he at the end he says like. Yeah, he said, I was talking to a guy and he said after the first 10 years, the sex got boring. So now they just cuddle on the couch and are supportive of each other. And, and he would say, well, that's good. And it's well, like, and it, George, no. Yeah, yeah. George, you, you uh, a, a year or two ago, back in 22, got into a discussion on, on Twitter um, about, about this very issue that, that does Revoice promote, what was it, abominable immorality? Who, who and, said that? Uh, Paul Sandulik, I think he oh, said. Okay, I yeah, think one yeah. major difference is that Revoice airs actively promote or come close to promoting abominable immorality of the kind that Christians cannot disagree upon and still be Christians. And then uh, Derek Radney, no, this isn't true. Revoice does not promote abominable immorality. A difference over concupiscence does not warrant that charge. And, and so it seems like if, if there's this idea that you can be in a relationship without the sex but still have it be good that that is abominable that, that's the point you were making george you want to read your own tweet there uh so he was saying it's not revoice does not promote abominable immorality i said yes it does this isn't about concupiscence uh, this point isn't of course uh, much of it is about concupiscence right, but i said right. promoting inherent goodness in gayness is blasphemy against our creator and a false anthropology promoting emotionally and often mentally sexual though not physical lifelong relationships is is abominable and i think you know i i think our society has reduced r romance to to sex and it's just it's just not that and and as i think of my own kids like mm. I don't want my daughter or my son giving their heart to somebody who they're not married to just, you know, my, my message to them is not simply just don't have sex with these people until you're married. It's don't give your heart over to somebody that your, your innermost emotional vulnerability is, 
it, it, like that is revealed in marriage. And so this idea to say that a couple can, we're just going to desexualize the relationship, but this cuddling and petting can, can no, that's, st that's still a marriage. And by the way, it's still, it's still communicating the wrong view of marriage to the world and Christians mm -hmm. need to uphold. I mean, marriage is a, is a picture of, of the gospel and, and revoice. I mean, so just, to be clear, because this individual that's on your screen continues to promote that there's a spectrum of views and the whole thing. And at the, at the end of the day, they promoted in, inherent uh, goodness and gayness. There's 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 gay attributes that will be uh, celebrated in, in heaven. And, mm -hmm. and 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 again, spiritual friendships are are a good thing. And I like. I was glad to hear you say you don't like the language of a mixed orientation marriage because to me that just that seems like it's not honoring to you or your wife to or to your creator who is I mean you're a married man okay mm -hmm. and you have some desires you wish you didn't have and 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 strongly so uh, I think like again that individual that was on your screen I think oh, we can pull back he, he would he would. My my interactions with him is he's just trying to not. They don't. There, there's a certain group that doesn't like to ever condemn uh, certain things because it's part of their philosophy of ministry. To you know, it, it will shut down conversation if certain things are are condemned. And uh, but I, I just don't believe it's holding out true hope in the gospel that has the power to give people hope and change. And uh, so that's kind of why I, I mean, my concerns have not been culture war concerns. My concerns have been pastoral concerns on, on mm -hmm. helping people to understand what it is to be made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's the, there's the argument that, you know, side B still has a place in the PCA. Um, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted and shocked. It's still, people are still at online in the yeah. PCA. I'm not talking about outside, but in the PCA right, right. questioning that there's latitude in the definition of side B, that there's some goodness in it, that we can partner with revoice. No, you can't. Yeah, and, and that's what Charles, you, you uh, chimed in, uh, that, yeah. that, you know, people don't still don't understand what is meant by side B, but side B has a very clear, um, way it is used by revoice uh now right as, yeah. I, as I understand it that you know, would you would you walk us through why you you said this that there there's no room in the PCA for side B I, I mean yeah it, it feels like you are you're having to turn a, a blind eye to it at this point um I mean we've been going round and round with this for for five years now five six years going on six years so yeah. 2018. Yeah, 2018 was the first conference. And so I know since then it's been, I know it's been discussed in some circles before then, but still, it's, I don't know how you can say that what they're holding to is just a difference of terminology or a difference of opinion or a difference of ministry philosophy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a significant difference. If it's a difference, it's it's so significant and and again the whole embracing of you know the the trans pronouns thing and that was another thing when i got to the conference you know they say here's some stickers if you have a preferred pronoun you'd like to use put that on your name tag and i was kind of like i don't I, my my pronouns are my pronouns like just use use english they were assigned um, at birth right yeah i i'm obviously a guy i've got a nice beard here you know <laughs> 
<laughs> but <clears throat> you know, so it's just yeah, it, it feels like naivety or or you know deliberately overlooking the problems. Cause that like I said, that was kind of my my approach initially. It's like, well, I have disagreements and I don't think that that would you know that that, that should um like prior to my supporter revoice, it was like, yeah, I have disagreements and maybe that's, that's probably not the best way to go. Um, you know, I wouldn't have said it was like bad at that point, but I would have been like, yeah, I don't think that's the right way to, to approach things. And again, I didn't even at that time understand a lot of the underlying controversies, uh, or underlying things, you know, the, again, the spiritual friendships, yeah. the celibate partnerships, the chosen family. I didn't realize how much of the, the queer theory had influenced their, their model. Um, you know, and so, yeah, it's, we're, we're not talking about difference of terms anymore. Um, we can, we can pretend that that's it, Mm. but I think we're deceiving ourselves if we're doing that. I think we are, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about personhood. We're talking about, you know, the, the lady that spoke who uses the, they, them pronouns, she was wearing a shirt that said Imago Dei and had the trans flag, um, you know, the, the stripes from the trans flag on Imago Dei. So it's, it's almost saying transness is the image of God. Well, and, and, they, like, and, and they do say that. I mean, yeah, I, 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 and, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. That, that's, that's kind of, again, I was kind of like, you know, everyone in the audience was like, yeah, when she like showed off her shirt. And I was just kind of like, so this is not a tertiary. This is this is a serious threat uh, to the holiness and harmony of of Christians. Yeah, uh, you you would say as someone who's who's been down that road, who's been to these conferences, and and who experiences very real uh, struggles. You've seen mm-hmm. the consequences of opening that door in in your own friendships and relationships, as yeah. I as I gather. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, it's like I I I look back now and I on a pretty regular basis, tell my wife, I was so stupid to be a part of that. Um, like it was, you know, like I said, there, there was a lot of my own sticking my head in the sand yeah. because it's like, well, but it, but it, but it feels right. You know, and that was, that would have been like the only real defense I could have given. It's like, well, I mean, it just, it just feels right. And, and then, you know, an argument I would go to is like, well, you know, if, if a pastor struggled with alcohol and said, I'm an alcoholic, then, you know, are we going to like condemn him for that? Or, you know, is he identifying with this? Like, that's what I would have said when I was in support of Revoice. Right, but it's right. like, well, first of all, yeah, I think I would have an issue with a pastor who's like, yeah, I am an alcoholic. Right. But right. I also know that alcohol, there's more, there's can be more of a genetic physiological stuff. And so, you know, maybe using the term alcoholic in a certain way, he's not saying like, you know, uh, again, apply the revoice model to the alcoholic. Revoice says, "Well, you can't have gay sex, but you can have, you know, gay friendships and and partnerships." This is what they they often flatten the the, the group of yeah. the PCA that push. They they want to flatten all all differences. And so my argument with the alcoholic thing, yeah, I wish AA hadn't sort of created this this thing. But the truth is nobody is redefining personhood by a propensity for a chemical dependency. No, right. Nobody. But this is destroying uh, the foundations of civilization in our country, not the desire, but the the way we are going to relate or describe it as, as, a, as a category of being. Yeah. And, you know, just to 
be clear because I've, I've been in these debates. The I, I understand an initial like I appreciate your honesty and how you're you're sort of it seems like you're discouraged at yourself for sort of going along with it. But there has been a frog in the you know pot of boiling water sort of thing, and the word the terminology of side B. 20 years ago when it first sort of was used what was a little different it was just a way to say we're not affirming uh, we you know the, the these desires exist uh but we we're we uphold the judeo-christian you know the christian sexual ethic mm -hmm. but that has morphed and that was the article that i, that I had put because i kept hearing from this you know the, the, this individual that's saying we oh there it is but where, where he says well like for him to continue to say we are uh, we're arguing over language at this point. I just, I, I don't, um, I don't really know how to assess that. So, so my article shows that every definition of side B at this point contains the identity piece. They want to boil it down to two things. This desire exists and we're going to recognize it. And uh, we uphold the, the Christian sexual ethic. And, and my article, this article shows there's a third piece in every definition of it that includes the identity being on ontological piece. And that's, that's the problem mm -hmm. because that's what society is, is trying to do is there's these different categorizations and classifications of humanity that takes desire and makes them defining. Yeah. And, and I mean, Nate Collins in his book, what, you know, one of the ways that they try to parse it out is the difference between same-sex attraction and same-sex sexual attraction. <laughs> yes. yes. And, and so it's like, you know, to be attracted to the same sex is neutral, but it's the sexual component that makes it wrong. But it's like, you know, again, where, where do we draw that line? Because when you're, you know, holding hands with a dude, is that, you know... It, it, well, that's not sexual. That's just expressing your love for them. Well, maybe so. I mean, like I, when I lived in Turkey, it was not uncommon to see guys walking down the street holding hands. It was a cultural thing. Um, I actually had a, a the manager of the market uh, that I shopped at grab me by the arm and you know take me over to get something off the shelf that I had left there when I bought it earlier. You know, but so it's like you know, yeah, maybe maybe it's not a romantic expression, but in you know, I, again, I, sorry, I get sidetracked and I lose my train of thought very easily. But, um, you know, it, it's like, OK, well, it, it may not be romantic, but yet in in our culture, that seems to be a romantic gesture, you know. And, you know, and so they'll 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 argue this idea like, well, the same sex attraction, even even maybe some of the romantic stuff, because romance is really just cultural. And so maybe it's not really romance it's a you know and uh christopher yuan in his book holy sexuality and the gospel uh has this paragraph where he like breaks it down and he's like uh this is romance romance is if you feel jealousy when your friend's relationship status changes hmm. uh, romance is when you know like he just goes through all these scenarios he's like that's that's obvious romance you know and we can't quibble about that and you know he, he cites somebody in the side b movement who cried for days when their best friend got married to a woman and it's like if i'm gonna cry for days it's gonna be tears of joy 
you know, and I mean, like, and, and that's what Christopher Yuan was saying. He's like, I'm going to be happy for them. Like, mm. if you're upset about this, you know, I mean, unless it's like everyone sees the red flags going into the marriage, but you know, right, right, if, right. if you're if you're upset about your friend finding joy in this, there's something wrong with you, and that's what, not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. and that so orientation would, needs to be repented of, not just. Yeah. So what what would you say to the to the to the person who says, "I'm glad you you've been able to find." joy and satisfaction in, in a marriage uh to to the opposite sex but that i i've tried that i can't that that's an, i'm not able to do that what would your response to that person be i mean yeah i don't again i don't want to promise what god does not promise i'm not mm -hmm. going to tell somebody well if you just try hard enough you know because again that's what i did for years i tried to um for lack of a better word to straighten myself out um and you know, just, yeah, I can, I, so I can appreciate, yeah, you, you are in a struggle, but before I got married, before I got into the relationship with my wife, I was really wrestling with, okay, well, if to be faithful to God means I never marry and I never get to enjoy the blessings of marriage and I never get to have kids of my own, can I be okay with that? Um, and, and so prior to being married, I said, yes, I said, I, God, whatever your calling for my life is, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to stick with your plan because your plan is good. Well, that's um, awesome. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I had come to that place before getting into a relationship and, you know, the, the relationship happened afterwards. But one thing I heard, even when I was in the, um, in with some of the ex gay ministries, my, my I believe it was my counselor or maybe someone he was talking to at this conference we were at. Um, I, I remember someone was talking about this idea like, well, you know, you know, how do I know I won't fall into sin again after I get married? And they're like, well, you don't, you can't predict that you'll never be tempted by something again, even if you haven't been tempted for 30 years by it. Yeah. You know, like it, it could happen. And, and, but one of the, and one of the things he said too, is like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm not sure about the the sexual attraction to to a wife or something, you know, and and something that stuck with me, uh, and I can't I can't remember if it was my counselor or the other guy that said it, but uh, one of them said basically uh, when your um, when your heart uh, and your commitment and all of that are are directed towards one person. When you commit yourself to one person, he said, essentially the plumbing will follow. Um, and, and maybe that's a little, a bit of a crude way to put it, but, you know, I, I found like, you know, I, I thought my wife was beautiful before we were dating. Um, I just, and I didn't want to tell her that because I didn't want to make things awkward, but it was like, I thought she just had a natural beauty about her that I was drawn to. Her character, I mean, she was just, she was beautiful. And I was like, you know, I don't want to say this because that's going to make things awkward. But at the same time, you know, so I was, I was drawn to that. But it was like when I, when we started dating and when we got engaged, when it's like, I'm deliberately now focusing my attention, my love, my affection, my, my devotion towards you, that attraction happened the, you know, the, the sexual attraction grew out of that. And so it's like, 
you know, there, there's a sense where I want to say, well, just because you don't feel it now doesn't mean it's not going to be there. Um, but again, I don't want to say like, well, don't worry, it'll happen one day. Right. Yeah, no, I think I think <laughs> that's what really was harmful to people is is like promising things that we you know it's not ours to promise. Mm -hmm. um, but and so that that led to you know the, this false expectation. Then people gave up. Like I, one of my part of my testimony is I came to to faith during a Ray Bolts concert. You, mm -hmm. you know Ray Bolts? Yeah. Ryan's smirky. <laughs> I do you know you don't know who that is? I have no idea. Really? Dude won I, so many dub awards. Uh he 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 had this song Watch the Watch the Lamb and Thank You. And it was this it was this song about like a youth like a, a youth pastor that goes to heaven. He didn't think he did any good, and all these people come to him and say, uh, you know, thank you for giving to the Lord. Anyway, it was it was you were probably a child. Do you know what I'm talking about, Charles, or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so this was in the 90s. I was uh no, the early the, the late 80s. I came forward, you know, it was one of these, there was an altar call. I came forward and then I went backstage and just I mean, I remember weeping. I just had a great sense of my need for a savior, of my sinfulness, and that Jesus paid the price. Uh well, he he came out uh in maybe 15 years ago now. It was like the like maybe 2008, 2009 and mm -hmm divorced his wife he's got adult kids and uh he you know he became you know he, he was singing uh, in quotes now because if, if you're just listening in quotes christian songs to yeah uh, be you know and it's like man you look you you had a, a wife and kids and now the, the wife and kids all say they support this and the whole thing is just very odd but it was uh it it's very sad to me it's it's very <laughs> sad to me and i think what you said was really just helpful for anybody in life, like submitting your desires to the Lord's desires. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the cost of discipleship, you know, yeah. um, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me is to, you know, George deny George. And I've found that to be true in a number of phases in my life. I'm 49 now. And there are some things I really had to submit to the Lord that I wanted and I, I submitted them to him and he gave me new desires. And, and uh, I, you know, I don't know that that always happens. I don't know, you know, because I don't want to overpromise. What I want to say is it's, you know, Paul, Paul prayed for that thorn in the flesh to be removed. How many times? And God said, my grace, you know, Christ said, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm -hmm. And do we really believe that? Um, but I also believe in the power of him to work, you know, miracles and actually change our hearts and actually grow us in the Lord and make us joyful in the midst of that. And so mm. thank you for just sharing that part of it, because I thought that yeah. was great. And it says that what uh, Palmer Robertson said at General Assembly in 2021, no, 22, at Birmingham, that you have to hold the line, right? That someone comes along and cuts yeah. the line and said, this far, no further, that the church needs to hold the line on sexual ethics because there are people out there who are struggling with this, and if you give them just a little bit of excuse that maybe this is okay, or maybe this aspect is something that I can I can let go in a, in, in in a small way, it will overwhelm. Yeah. And so the church must not uh, tolerate this. There's there's still a, a challenge for the PCA from Revoice. Would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we see it in the Twitter debates and, and stuff like that. Um, 
I, I'm thankful to say that my presbytery is very much against mm. uh, revoice and. Um, is in, that PD Presbytery? Which Presbytery? PD, PD Presbytery, yeah. That's a great um, Presbytery. In, in 2022, when Overture 15 was on the docket, uh, my my pastor didn't like the wording of it. He felt it was too vague. Um, and so he abstained from voting. He's like, I want to honor the spirit behind it, but I don't think that this is what should be in the in the thing. And um, you know, and I didn't like Overture 15, one, because I was on Revoice's side, but even afterwards, I kind of felt the same way that it's like, I don't think it was clear enough. Um, I think this year's Overture is good. I, if I understand correctly, it has passed in two thirds of Presbyteries, right? Oh, yes. yes. Okay. I thought, I thought it had, I hadn't been following it. So, um, so yeah, here's hoping it'll, uh, get, get in the books and, the. Uh, 51st GA. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But yeah, it's yeah with with, with revoice and, and again, I've I've read from other people who are like, yeah, I used to be side B. I nearly killed myself. Now I'm fully affirming, and mm-hmm. now I'm happy. And so it's kind of like I, I read a lot of those testimonies. I don't know, and, and I don't want to like toot my own horn here, but you know, I don't know of anyone who has done the opposite. Who's been like, yeah, I was side B. But now I see that wasn't good, so now I'm I'm coming against that. Um, well, you are. You, you're yeah, well. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm the only yeah. one that's ever done this. But well, know, but I think that's, that's, that's the way the Lord works cook in my too. life. Yeah. And and you know Rosario Butterfield, you know, being from side A to now. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so you're not as special as you think you are. Well, I know I'm not special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but uh, I mean, I, I love Beck. I, I love Beckett Cook's testimony. Mm-hmm. His book is phenomenal. I've worked yes. through it with with uh, people. The uh, a change of affection, I think, is, mm-hmm. is what yeah, it's called. And originally, he he just thought side B was what he was because again, that definition has 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 taken sort of a turn, right? And uh, and. To his credit, he came out and said, "No, I he didn't come out, but he came. He 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 reject. I mean, it's on his website as a as yeah. a, a tab to say, you know, a, a side B retraction, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, I again, I think as our kids are more and more confused in, in in the schools, and they have teachers and peers telling them, well, you might be this." Because you don't fit the gender stereotype, or you're having odd feelings, or what, or what you know, you're you're not the opposite sex isn't necessarily attracted to them. I, I don't think we need to be giving kids confusion in their options. And right. side B does that. Side B gives them this this option of saying you you may be this, and the best you can hope for is is uh, lifelong palliative care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you actually do have a marriage, it's a mixed orientation marriage. It's it's right. it'll never be a, a real marriage. It's like what? No. Yeah. No. And that's like I don't you know, I, I used in talking about my marriage for a little bit, you know, well, yeah, I'm in a mixed orientation marriage. But it's like again, it's like well, I mean, but those are that I mean, like the again, the SSA is the the sin sinful side. I know that's like it's not like I'm you know, it's not like I'm deliberately saying no to one good thing for another good thing. It's I'm saying no to something that's corrupted. Mm. At best, it's corrupted. You know, and you know, at worst, it's it's just twisted. You know, it's it's absolutely. You know, I, I'm I'm rejecting that for what God called very good, mm. um, and and marriage is very good, and. And again, I feel like, you know, Revoice always wants to 
camp out on first Corinthians seven. Well, Paul said singleness is better. So, you know, but it's like, but then you're not practicing singleness because you're having these celibate partnerships and this chosen family and all like, you're not, you know, it, there's a, there's a lot of, I guess, contradiction between the words and the practice. Like, you know, if you, even if you go to Revoice's website and you look at their statement of faith, because they're real quick to point that out to people like, well, have you read our statement of faith? It's like, yeah, your statement of faith sounds okay-ish, but it doesn't get into all of the issues. Like, you know, your statement of faith reads like, well, yeah, I would probably agree with most of that. You know, and again, that's where they couch it in that, well, this is just about terminology. Well, no, it's not. It's it's about, you know, it's about who did God create us to be? How did God intend for humanity to thrive? How did God intend for um, humanity to be a blessing? And it's through, you know, through marriage and family. And yes, singleness has a place. We don't want to ignore the single people. But, you know, we don't want to say, well, both are equally good or, or even lean to say, well, the singleness is, is better because then you can do more for the Lord. It's like, I'm, I'm raising up two children who at this point can quote the first 28 catechism questions in the children's catechism. Well done. You know, and it's like, how, how is, how is that like not as good? Um, you know, my, my goal as a, as a father is to disciple these kids to, to love the Lord and, and, you know, to be among his people. And it's like, that's, that's that, I mean, that's my calling as a father. And, you know, I'm I'm still open and interested in doing missions work. Um, I actually I actually went back a few years ago and got my Master of Arts in Muslim Studies from CIU. Um, and so I've got, you know, like I've still got a desire to to reach the world, but you know, at the same time, my first ministry is my wife and my kids. You know, and my church would would have to come next. And that's that's one of the Again, another thing with Revoice, Revoice seems to be telling people like, you know, well, if your churches aren't supporting you the way that you feel like they should, then you should just leave your church and go form your own little faith community. Mm. Mm. And it's like, you know, no, my my church has, has been a lifesaver for me. Um, shortly after my wife and I got married, my grandma passed away. And our church was there that evening, like less than two hours after she passed away with a meal for us. Wow. And, and, you know, they, they gave, we, my grandma was buried in New Mexico. So my mom and I had to fly out there. They gave us money for the plane tickets. Um, and, and my mom saw that and she said, I don't have that in my life. If something happens to my husband, my stepfather, you know, she says, if something happens to him, I don't have anybody. Mm. I want to be a part of that. My mom's now a member of Westminster. That's wow. awesome. You know, and so it's just like my church is, uh, you know, we're going to disagree on things, you know, but my church has been the place where I have heard the truth proclaimed. You know, I, I have had a pastor who has walked with me on this journey since my early days being there. I opened up to him about six months after I started at Westminster 
Um, he was our associate pastor at the time, uh, but now he's our, our lead pastor. And, you know, I mean, he has been encouraging. He has been supportive. He's the one who married my wife and I, you know, and, and just the support that he continues to give, you know, even with that, I've, I've talked with him uh, some uh, since I've kind of left the side B camp. He knew I went to Revoice and um, that I was sort of on board. And like I said, even looking back now, I don't think I was fully on board even back then. But, you know, I, I went from like, well, Revoice is okay to, you know, Revoice isn't good for anybody. Um, you know, and, so the, me- and the, even the people involved in it, it's like, you know, you are you are basing your entire perception of the world on your struggle with sin. You know, mm. and like one one of the guys, Grant Hartley, um, who's big in the in the side B circles, he not I forget when I ran across it randomly on on my Twitter feed, but he said something to the effect of more. You know, and because again, this goes back to they side B will say. Well, we're not saying that gay is who we are. We're not saying that that's our primary identity over even over our Christian identity. But then you've got Grant Hartley who tweets out, um, you know, more important than me being side B is that I'm super super gay. And it's like, so which is it here? You're, you're basing your identity, you're basing your practice, and 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 he's tweeted some other stuff that was like. Again, early on in my like starting to leave Revoice behind were like huge red flags. Um, like one thing he said is like, yeah, I was, you know, I was at a, a gay bar and they had a grag show and it was just glorious. And I'm just like, there's something wrong with that. Like I should not <laughs> find beauty in the deliberate opposition to the Lord, mm, yeah. you know, and yeah. And so again, all of this just kind of kept taking me back. Like, okay, let's let's go back, ultimately to the scriptures. But let's mm. let's listen to those who have been speaking against this and and see, like, you know, were were they right after all? Could I possibly be wrong? Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I I have two questions. Okay. Uh, final questions, right? Uh, so the the first one is. How do you answer the response? Because I suspect there are a lot of supporters in the PCA of Revoice, not because, like, they think they're, you know, what is it, uh, eating and spitting out the bones kind of mm-hmm. thing. And the reason they're they're willing to do that, one, is not to ostracize the LGB community, LGBTQ plus, uh, but the, secondly, it's um they they view it as necessary because if you're going to reach this next generation that already believes that sexuality is is a is being in personhood, uh, we like what we're like we don't have any other way to reach them. We have to just accept that or give up on that piece to be able to tell them the gospel. What do you, how do you answer the fact that it's, this is sort of necessary to reach that group of people? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a really backwards thing. You know, I mean, it, it would be like telling the Christians who gave their lives for the faith, well, you just need to affirm Caesar as a God. You can still have Jesus, but, but you need to affirm Caesar also. You know, and, and so, I mean, there's that. It's like you need to compromise what you believe 
to reach somebody, what are you reaching them for? You know, and what are you reaching them with? You know, I mean, if, if someone's already bought into the LGBTQ plus ideology, why do they need Jesus? They've, they've already got like, well, yeah, we know that's, that's who I am. And if we're coming along and saying, yeah, we want to tell you that's who you are, but you can't have sex. Like, well, right. I, don't, I don't need that. I've got that over, you know, it's like, yeah. it, it doesn't really reach them with anything. And I mean, you know, again, going back to Rosaria Butterfield, she was not one to Christ by compromise. Hmm. Yeah. She was not one to Christ by having someone tell her. And, and she's, she said this, you know, she says that they didn't tell me to, you know, we needed to start a lesbian bowling league for the church. <laughs> um, you know, but it's like, it's like, that's, that's, that's true. Like Christianity, the gospel didn't spread because it went along with the cultural idols of the day. Um, it, it didn't pander to those. It it opposed those. It was the contrast that one. Yeah. And the, that's the thing. The People looked at that and they're like, wait a minute. What's different about these guys? Well, and, and that's why I asked early on in this, like, if you had your own sense of of the the sin, it wasn't just the stigma, but it was an internal sort of sense. Because that's my, I, I think we all have that. And, and the the more the the second use of the law is removed in society, that the harder it is for conscience to work. But mm-hmm. um, my 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 last question is because I have a theory, and I don't know that it's it's right, but I think side B is going to completely go away. I think it only it only exists because we're in this this middle state. Like we are in the negative world, as Aaron Wren has has said, but we're still we're still living that we're still all from the transition. And so there still is a sense that, that this is wrong culturally, even if that's been mostly suppressed. And so you have people growing up in this and they're saying, well, they're saying this is wrong, but this is how I feel. And the culture is saying this, but like these people growing up, like born and and growing up now, there's not going to be any question in their secular minds that this is part of their being. I mean, our, mm-hmm. it's codified in our laws. It's right. it's accepted everywhere in government, in 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 the corporate world, in education. And so, to tell somebody at that point who grew up just understanding this is who I am, like, yeah, that's who you are. Just don't do this. Is it, I just don't think it's going to exist. I think yeah. it's going to be coming to Christ as a re- renunciation of who you are. And so, you know, it's either going to be side A or or not. You know, there's yeah. never going to be any middle ground of coddling your sin. Do you, what do you think about that? I, I tend to agree. I actually taught a uh, five-week Sunday school on gender and sexuality using the, I always get the title wrong, the New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality. Is that I right? Yeah. Okay. So and, and I kind of use that as kind of just a guide to kind of filter my own thoughts. But again, even I've been open in my church about Is that from the GRN, by the way? I yes, think it, it is. is. It is. Yes. Yes. You 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 bad people in secret societies, you, you know. <laughs> no, no, we're not there's nothing secret about the GRN. <laughs> I know. It's bad. I just remember that being a thing. That <laughs> they have so. they have a website and they uh, and, a, yeah. and, 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 and publish things on it. Publish things on it. Well, no, that we, you know, like that, like if you go to the website, you'll see my name as on yeah. the general counsel. There's nothing secretive about. It. I, I know, I know. I'm just saying that's yeah. I, I, know. I, I like the joke, but I have to always okay. push back on. It. Sorry, my dog's deciding she wants to be in my lap now. <laughs> so if you see her peek over, 
Well, yeah. she may identify as a lap dog, and and so. Oh, she definitely <laughs> identifies as a lap dog. She yeah. totally is a lap dog. Come on, Phoebe. <laughs> well, her name's Phoebe. Well, I, we named her after Phoebe in the uh, episode oh, of the Romans. So, well, this is my dog. Hello, Phoebe. <laughs> well, as we bring it in, what what are you know one or two things that encourage, and one or two things that concern you uh, about the PCA? Um, I mean, in, encouraging. I I've been. I've been really blessed by being a part of the PCA Uh, for my own walk. It's been, you know, I I don't feel like, you know, like, well, I've got the the church for Sundays and then, you know, for the rest of the time, all my other problems I've got to take somewhere else. Um, You know, I, I, again, it's, you know, in, in our congregation, it's, we're really striving to, walk together through life um and and all the ups and downs that it may entail and um so yeah you know i'm I'm really encouraged by that at least in my congregation i hope all the congregations are are sensing that um you know and i i think we're seeing a, a seems to be a lot more unity is growing um i know there are still revoice supporters in our churches but uh, it seems like, you know, again, even this time with uh, the sexuality overture, I can't remember what number it is, two? Overture two? Does that sound right? I forgot already. I, know, I, can't, I can't keep track of all the numbers. But yeah. um, but anyway, you know, with, with that now passing the two-thirds mark, I think that's a positive sign that, you know, again, either – and, I mean, I've heard some say, well, you know, all of the – all of the good churches, the ones that support Revoice, are leaving the PCA, and it's like yeah, I think it's the other way around. You know, I think <laughs> I think maybe some of the ones that need to go are going, and yeah. um, you know, so I'm I'm in I'm encouraged by that. I hope that we continue to move in that direction, um, especially on these issues that you know we've got to we've got to stop pretending that Revoice isn't a problem, um, you know, and and I say this as one who thought that Revoice wasn't the problem. Hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, back after, after sometime after the conference in 2022, I, I tweeted out something and it was about a related matter. And I was like, I was like, come on, this is happening. And you guys think Greg Johnson is the problem. And it's like, you know, well, there can be more than one problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, and that's, again, that was another reason that led me to just say, like, I need to verbally declare that I no longer support this stuff. I can't just, mm. you know, again, Rosaria Butterfield in her article about um, using preferred pronouns, that's what really started me saying, like, I need to make a public statement yeah. about this because I made public statements to the contrary. Um, and like she said, public sin demands public repentance. And so it's like, you know, okay, well, I just, I need to do this. I need to say, we, we've got to stop saying this isn't a problem. Hmm. Um, you know, and I, I feel like even people like Tim Keller kind of towed the line too much. Like you said, you know, we don't have a side B problem. We rejected side B in the sexuality report. And then he says, hey, Greg Johnson's book is excellent. Go read it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. that's. Those two can't a- both be true. Yeah, it's like, you know, if if I tell people to read Greg Johnson's book at this point, I would say, you know, yeah, read it with great suspicion at best. 
Um, you know, it, my wife got me a few years ago a, a book stamp that says heretical nonsense for research purposes only. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I'm thinking about like just stamping that in there. But it's like, you know, and and again, you know, we are, this is for us as a denomination, we need to be clear in our language. Um, we need to be clear in the way we speak because that's that's one of the things that that revoice and side B seem to like to do is play with words. It's like, well, you know, like for example, going back to overture 15, you know, it says, you know, um, men who describe themselves as homosexual are not fit for office. So basically is what it said. And so I saw some side B people saying, well, it's a good thing. We don't describe ourselves as homosexual. You know, again, it was playing with words. Yeah. Um, right. Right. And it's and that, like you're 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 missing the point, um, but again, and, and that's again why I felt like Overture 15 wasn't our best attempt to deal with this issue. Um, yeah, well, the, the pro you hit the nail on the head with the language because the the truth is these people are the biggest legalists around. It, they're they're not antinomian; they're legalists. So, well, you said I we can't describe ourselves as homosexuals. Well, that's fine. The word "gay" isn't in there, so now I can describe myself as gay. It's like, right. no, what does the word mean? Right. So, well, Charles, this this was awesome, and uh, just thank you for your again your honesty. And um, I mean, you lived this, you walked it. I am so hopeful. Uh, by your testimony, just for 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 my own sanctification, for this, you know what we have to offer people. So I really appreciate that, Ryan. I appreciate uh, you co-hosting this with me, oh, or letting thanks me. For, thanks for letting me be a part. Thanks for no. Thanks for letting me be a part. So uh, yeah. So I I don't know if it's going to air on mine or yours first, but uh, for my listeners, Presbyterian and Reformed Churchmen, I definitely uh, recommend the Westminster Standard Podcast, a podcast of Jude three in the PCA, and. I think at this point, everybody knows who you are, Ryan, but uh, <laughs> Ryan is a friend, even if we uh, we dress and look different, <laughs> we we can laugh about the same things. So I don't know if you That's have nice. a, anything uh, to end with, yeah. Ryan. Thank you very much. Thank you for letting me uh, come and share. I've, I feel honored, as, as I told you before we started, um, you know, I'd, I didn't know what was going to happen when I tweeted that out. But I just knew that I needed to do it because the Lord kept pressing me on it. And it was like, I, I got it. I just need to do it. So but thank you for giving me a chance to kind of explain myself maybe a little better, hopefully. Um, and yeah, feel free to, you know, tell people to ask me any questions about anything that I wasn't, you know, clear on. So, <laughs> And they can find you on Twitter. Uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm on all the social medias. Um, and yeah. I'm also starting a travel agency, so if they look up Destinations Travel, they can find me there. Um, but okay. they'll probably find like 100 other Destinations Travels before <laughs> that. Um, but anyway. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. The heart of BTS is first and foremost to be faithful. Faithful to the Word of God, to the sufficiency of Scripture, to knowing we serve a sovereign Lord. The second component of the heart of BTS is accessibility. We're affordable, we're flexible, we work with students to help them achieve goals. This isn't our journey. It's your journey for serving the Lord. It's your journey that God has called you to. So we pray that while God expands and grows the opportunities that we have, that we never lose sight to provide quality 
reformed theological education faithfully and accessibly so that we can serve the local church by building leaders for his kingdom.